why do I do what I do? Because I absolutely love it. I mean, knowing that I can write stories and shape narratives that make a positive impact and difference in the world at such a large scale is an incredibly fulfilling feeling. Inukna, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on the show today. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, uh today we we talk about many things, you know, from uh, you know, traditional PR and then influencer marketing, social media, what is happening. Then of course, like, you know, the beauty industry there has been seen so much, right, you know, traction through social media in the years. So quite excited to see your, you know, all your knowledge and uh, tips and tricks when it comes to that. But first of all, why don't you tell us a bit more, you know? So, uh, you know, as, as many people listening, uh, they might already know that we use a framework called MAP that is basically mission, assurance, and purpose. To know a bit more about yourself as a person and as a professional, right? So mission, right? What do you want to achieve? The achievements that you already had, so any notable milestone, either in your personal life or career, and then the purpose. So why you do what you do? I think my goal really is to create this long-lasting impact through disruption. Um, if I say work specifically, I've always enjoyed looking at and doing things a bit differently. And so I'm always on this search of ways I can create a little organized chaos, I like to call it, that really leaves a mark. And that's really my own personal stamp. Um, and if if I try to connect that really to my achievements, um, more on a professional standpoint, I'm going to say, um, I, I've been really fortunate to be in the PR and marketing business for, I think, almost 13 years now. Um, I've worked in small and big agencies across multiple countries and with a very diverse brand portfolio like you know, Diesel, Swarovski, Turner International, and now Estee Lauder. Um, and that has given me so many amazing wins. But I think there are three that I am so, so proud of. Um, so the first one in 2017, um, I was working at an agency and one of my clients was the National Basketball Association, so the NBA. Um, the brief was to create more resonance for basketball in a country like India. It's such a beautiful read. You know, it's got um, from young all-girls team in one part of India to monks playing basketball in their free time. Um, it, it's it's really a stellar, stellar book. And, and it was a limited edition collectible. And it's probably one of my most prized material possessions because it has my name in the credits. And it makes me so, so happy because it was my idea from the get-go. Another one was, I think, right after in 2019, um, when I first joined Estee Lauder in India, I worked on a social media campaign for our company's primary leading corporate social responsibility initiative, which is breast cancer. Um, and I roped in a lot of top celebrities and breast cancer survivors uh, with the goal to use their influence and powerful emotional stories to drive very high impact awareness and do some fundraising for the cause. It was the most gratifying and heartwarming experience knowing that I was playing like a little part in making a difference in the world. Um, and cut to now maybe, which is the last one uh, and, and really falls within recently my, my current role as consumer marketing director for the brand um, across Europe, Middle East, Africa and India. I, I built what I like to call a humanized marketing model that focuses on consumer centricity and emotional connection, uh, which in turn 
led to the execution, I think, of some highly successful campaigns that I'm so, so proud of. And I'm sure we can we can speak to later. Why do I do what I do? Because I absolutely love it. I mean, knowing that I can write stories and shape narratives that make a positive impact and difference in the world at such a large scale is an incredibly fulfilling feeling. Maybe some of the examples I shared are professional, but they really reflect things that I believe in, my where my values are rooted, the things that I want to do in life. Um, Fantastic. And congratulations you. on the achievements. Sir. They looks like, you know, really, now I'm curious to watch some of the work because uh, they, you know, how, how passionate you are. But before I get into influencers and everything, right, you were more on the traditional PR side. Is that correct? So changing that and going to like social media and influencer marketing, was it like natural for you? Um, were there any challenges uh, any main differences that you noticed uh, during that process of shifting? Shift. Sure. Um, I'm going to have to say it was quite natural and organic, mainly because that was the direction at the time that the world was moving into. But that doesn't take away from the fact that there were a fair bit of challenges. So as a millennial, I lived through, you know, the internet explosion, as did most of us, you know. Yeah. So technology really got more integrated into our lives and and social media became this shiny new toy. Um, but what that did was we moved from a world of very limited uh, to very limitless access. And that that takes some adjustment, you know, because you're forced to unlearn and relearn everything that you know. And that's always really tough. That said, I think it was the best time to be in PR um, because the world literally became your stage and you could rewrite all the rules. Yeah. And I think that also plays very well into my um, disruptive work philosophy. So I, I actually genuinely like really, I enjoyed it back then because I think traditional PR also instills a lot of patience and discipline in you. But I love the dynamism and the volatility and, and the challenges and, and the positive challenges that really come with this new era of you know social media and, and uh, working with influencers and content creators. Um, and of course, there are definitely... Um, some differences, which is your second question, if there are any differences between traditional and influencers. For sure, I think with traditional PR campaigns, you're really talking about, you know, print, TV, radio, out of home. All of these mediums, while back then were super effective, they do have a limited audience and impact. They have most of the times long planning and lead times, and it's mostly one-way communication. Whereas if we talk about an influencer marketing campaign, whether it's word of mouth or social media, you get speed to market, you get scalable impact all over the world. You get a two-way interaction between creators and their audiences. You get that authenticity, that authentic voice that lends credibility. And I think most critically, you get that personalized human touch with which most of us respond to. Um, I always like to say, you know, um, good communication is all about comprehension. And as a brand, if my consumer is getting information from a magazine or a TV spot, I can't be sure if it's being received in the way that I intend it to be received, right? But if she's getting it from an influencer's video, who she follows and she listens to, who she believes uh, is unbiased, with whom she can have some kind of interpersonal relationship and relatability, then the probability of me as a brand landing my message and convincing her to use my products is so much higher. Um, I like to call it the magic of interfluence. Interaction plus influence. That that really is what you get when you work with creators. Um, 
and that's not to completely dismiss traditional marketing because I think traditional marketing has also stepped up with the times. It's evolved and adapted into the current world context. For example, you still have out of home, but now you have digital out of home, which is integrated with AI. And that's that's really having quite uh, quite a moment right now. So I think that there's still a place for both in the world. But of course, we have moved a lot more towards the influencer marketing, social media, content creator space. Well, I agree. You need a 360 approach, right? You cannot just like focus on one because different demographics, different marketing personas, right? Some people are watching more videos. Others are still like the look at billboard. So I totally get that. And also like when you say about the going from unilateral to bilateral communication, yeah. because uh, on TV, you just send a message, you know, but you cannot really see what is the real type exactly. event, right? While if you read comments, uh, what I say of that is that reading comments uh, on a social media, you know, profile, it's basically having a focus group of people that are not even paid, but they're telling you basically, right, what they like about the product, what they like about the message, what they don't like, what they would love to see, right? Many times I've seen brands looking at the comments and making changes in their product or yes. brand values because of yes. what people were asking, right? Uh, I don't know if you have like, is there, a, do you have like any example or something that uh, you noticed in the past? Uh, You're absolutely right. As in that you have real-time access to feedback from the people who are actually using your product, I think you have the opportunity to reframe what you're communicating to them. Um, I can't say that personally, I've had a brand or a client that I've worked with that has changed a product. What has definitely changed has definitely been the modes of messaging. I think the way we've approached communicating to people has been so greatly influenced by the fact that we now have this bilateral communication where it's it's basically like human to human conversation almost. Um, and, and that's what you do when you're having interpersonal communication, right? You, we're, we're bouncing off each other. We're taking off from what we're saying to each other. And I think it's not very different for brands as well. Hello, is your brand ready to amplify its reach? Well, the Influencer Marketing Factory is here to do just that. We are a global influencer marketing agency helping brands ignite their growth from influencer identification to campaign strategy, handling legalities and agreements to managing shipping and logistics. We have it all covered. We work with hundreds of brands across different verticals from Fortune 500 companies to DTC brands. And we don't just stop there. With detailed ROI analysis, we help brands like yours measure success, transforming impressions into actionable conversions. You can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com or just search the Influencer Marketing Factory on Google. No, okay, exactly, you know, and in, in, so, you know, we have like, you know, the focus group, the real time, and it's also something else that I would say that digital marketing, you know, has been um, powerful for, is also like, you know, how you can tailor messages depending on who you are, where you are, right? So I was wondering, like, when it comes to like, you know, ICL order and social media, what are some of the main differences? Uh, between doing a campaign, you know, that is global versus something that is more regional? Um, with global social campaigns at Estee Lauder, we really focus on driving and elevating brand equity at scale. Um, and this is done through like high quality content and influencer content, branded assets. Um, and there, I think they're really tasked with delivering one single cohesive message at scale to the entire world. But Something that you and I both know, right? There's never a one-size-fits-all approach when you're talking to something that's as diverse and dynamic as the entire world. So that's really where we come in to complement the global social strategy at a regional level. So a regionalized social campaign, essentially, our role is we are tailoring the message to reflect more locally relevant consumer insights. 
and those are then executed with local nuances. So to your point to what is the kind of prep that goes in, um, one is, of course, knowing the insights that are you know relevant to you for that moment, ensuring that um, the idea that's been put out is is the same and it's still giving the, it's still laddering back up to the larger message, but in different languages. So there's a translation time that is actually required in a lot of uh, campaigns. Um, making sure that the content is being delivered by diverse and local creators who are adept to lead that conversation, who are key opinion leaders in that space um, and are people who are looked up to within that particular geography. And, and more importantly, also being sure that you're integrating into culturally relevant conversations. Now, at a global level, you can't be doing that for every single geography around you, right? And that's really why we have regional regions across the brand that really drill down into these insights of something that's specific to our region um, and then continue to go even deeper. We, we have teams who are based by country that within the country are deepening the insights further and further, tailoring the message even more specific into their audiences. Um, and, and I think that's really, it, it's it's not so much about only the differences, but it's also, it's just, it's like a, it's like an entire pyramid strategy that one sort of feeds into the other, but overarchingly we're all communicating that one big singular message in our own way with our own nuances. Makes complete sense, right? Like even whenever I just think about Europe, Germany is different than France, that is different than Spain, that is different from Italy, right? So uh, I absolutely can understand why you have to know exactly what is happening in terms of like, you know, history, exactly. politics, society, right? Uh, language. Lost in translation sometimes between like, but also there is a translation, right? It yes, be, yes. Right? If there is maybe a... a like a, a joke, yeah. like, you know, in wars or anything like that, right? Sometimes it can be easily, easily lost there. But uh, uh, all these, so like if uh, they are different, though, there is there might be like a sort of like, you know, common thing here that could be, uh, and it's specifically when it comes to S-Loader, like uh, EMA, right? It's going to be about that. You told me that you prefer working on campaigns that have a, you know, emotional hook, right? Instead of just being poorly information, right? So first of all, why is that? And why now, I guess, even more than before, getting so much important to have this type of approach? The reason I do think that is because I think there's so much information out there for the world to consume that you have to make sure that you're doing enough to stand out. In today's digital world, the most valuable social currency is essentially attention. As an individual, when I think of what gets my attention, it's things that, that leave a mark with me, that appeal to me at a very emotional, subconscious level. Um, like a life moment that made me laugh or cry, something that made me feel something. Um, and I think it's just, it's this basic human psychology that also just applies to marketing. And and that was really the basis of this humanized go-to-market model that I, I spoke about earlier that I really wanted to create for Estee Lauder within the scope of, of, of you know, EMEA. Um, it's humanized marketing because we're keeping people and the things that they really care about essentially are the core of, of everything that we do. Um, if I have to if I have to go into the mechanics of it, right? So considering data is is everything, it's king, it informs creativity. So we start by really unlocking those key insights that I spoke to just before um, that we are obviously in a position to speak to. We have the authority to address and cater to. All the while, obviously staying in tune with all of the social conversations that are going to allow us to be relevant, to be current. Um, and then these insights really, I think, form the basis of our emotional hook, as you put it, that becomes the big idea of the campaign, really. 
that's what we're going to use to resonate across mm-hmm. all the media touch points. Um, and that's the big idea that has to con- be, be conveyed to the consumer. And that's what's going to leave a, a mark with them. Uh, but then you also need the idea to be articulated through some very authentic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, who better to do that than the best storytellers of our time, content creators. So they form really a very, very key part of our marketing strategy. And specifically, I want to say, you know, pinpoint TikTok because we need those stories to live on and grow. And platforms like TikTok not only drive like large-scale visibility, but there's virality and then there's also on-media value. All of that really helps in driving a lot of the business uh, growth trajectories. Um, And finally, when we round this off and we look at it from a wider lens of like 360 omni-channel experience, it's the same messaging that we're translating to our website, in stores, through our beauty advisors, on-counters, CRM, eventing. And that's really, I think, the winning recipe that really led to the execution of some of our incredible campaigns that we've done recently, um, which was My Shade, My Story last year, Every Night, Your Night, earlier this year. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the essence of this, uh, this model. Is there any like statistics or any insights that you can share with us? Something that, you know, either you're very passionate about or something that you were not expecting, just to go a bit more. So first of all, if you can tell, you know, to the audience what are each of these campaigns so they can have an idea and then go a bit more. Yeah. So let me start with My Shade, My Story. Um, this is so, so special because it was the first ever regionally led TikTok campaign within the framework of this new go-to-market model that was created. The campaign essentially was built on the insight that everyone is more than what you see, than what meets the eye. And if given the chance, they would want the world to know their story. That's not just skin deep. So since we created this platform for our best-selling foundation, Double West Stay in Place, we wanted to make a direct correlation between the diverse shade range of foundation and then the shades of your personality or your stories. And that's really how My Shade, My Story was born. Um, Our goal really was to empower people to own their narrative. So so we created a simple framework for TikTok videos. You know, the, the, the script went, you see shade, and then they would say the shade of their foundation, the double wear foundation. I see, and then they would add something that describes their story that they'd like people to know about them or know them for. We built a solid TikTok first strategy through content creator partnerships and again, paid media, which is so, so important to really boost our best performing content. Um, This was supported by a really strong eventing, offline eventing program as well in order to scale that awareness and and new consumer recruitment. Um, So 15 countries within the region went live with um, with this campaign. We had 98 videos. We closed at 209 million views on TikTok after eight weeks of the campaign. Uh, The conversations around this, it was not just about the volume, right? But I think the quality of conversation that took place around it left us all in awe. People were so personally invested in telling their stories in how appreciative they were that there was a conversation like this happening where they could speak to the misinterpretations of themselves and clarify them saying, this is what I'm known for. I'm not just a pretty face or I'm not just a face. I'm so much more and this is what's there to me. We actually grew two times the foundation market in Italy, Spain and France and four times in Switzerland. Probably the biggest success we've seen for a campaign in EMA ever. It was our first tryst with something that we believed was going to change 
and revolutionize uh, Estee Lauder in EMEA. But we didn't want to also be one-hit wonders. We knew we had to prove this time and time and time again to see this model is actually working. So once My Shade My Story was successful, we went on to take on the task um, to create a campaign to recruit, again, new consumers we're talking about here for our number one serum, Advanced Night Repair, that, that really reflects this nighttime skincare authority that we've had for, for decades right now. People have very vibrant night lives you know, lives in general, but night lives as well, due to which they don't get a lot of sleep. Like we don't get a lot of sleep as millennials, as Gen Z. I think this resonates with everybody. Most of us are not getting a lot of sleep, but but we also don't want to wake up in the morning looking like we've not had a lot of sleep. Um, I want to be able to wake up looking fresh, vibrant, ready to just take on the next day. So again, simple insight. We unlocked it. We connected a product that is known for its high performance to address this this look you know, this not being tired, making your skin more hydrated, looking more vibrant, looking more radiant. And we added the emotional storytelling hook to it. And that was really where every night, your night came, you know, alive. Um, we created five TikTok branded films this time um, with, with a very diverse representation of creators. We used those videos for upper funnel. So all mainly, the purpose was to mainly drive awareness. We boosted them with paid media and we tiered them and supplemented them with local creator content across all of our different countries. Again, it worked clearly. So we drove these amazing TikTok KPIs. We got 74 videos. We got 141 million views. We And the results, this was astonishing. In some of our key markets, we 10x'd retail sales growth. And we gained a three-point ranking on earned media value within EMEA in the skincare category during this campaign. So again, this was just one of those wins for us where we were like, okay, now we know that this is not something just work that worked once once for us. This is proof of concept on our marketing strategy, um, and and we saw we saw such a marked shift in our business growth trajectory across makeup and skincare two times in a row. So after that, there was really no looking back. We felt like we we wrote a little bit of history for for Estee Lauder. Oh, this is fantastic. You also during that you were mentioning both Gen Z and millennials. So. Yes. I'm curious, just like, you know, and is there, of course, there are many differences for, you know, not only in demographic aspects, but, you know, many other aspects as well. But in your opinion, when it comes to these campaigns, uh, how do you think about differentiate the storytelling, right, uh, when it comes to Gen Z versus millennials? Is there anything specific or it is just, uh, you know, like um, some main categories they want to usually split in? Uh, like how do you approach that? It's important to recognize that any good marketing campaign is a result or an answer to an insight that you derived, right? And you generally may or may not always find insights that are extremely resonant for two demographics that are obviously very, very diverse age groups. So while we have obviously millennials that are categorized as younger millennials and older millennials, Gen Z is known to be probably the most diverse uh, demographic that there is. And within them also, there are so many little aspects that are different. So I think one of the main important things is that that because they're in two very different phases of life and then within them, there are several different nuances as well. I think that 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 would make the most innate difference. Um, a lot of your beliefs, your values, your lifestyle choices, they're all just a byproduct of where you are in life at that moment. And, and knowing this is the crux of storytelling, really, right? So um, 
that that I think is more of a more of a qualitative analysis of the differences. But if we were to make it a bit more technical, millennials obviously like us transitioned into into this internet explosion era. So we there was a pre and a post for us, and, and so we're I think we're more likely to divide our times across broader range of platforms. Mm. Whereas Gen Zers, they're digital natives. They they were born with phones in their hands, so they spend more time and on fewer platforms. They're they're a lot more targeted in the kind of things that resonate with them. Like we're open to multi-format content as millennials. Mm. We'll watch things, but we video is okay. But then and text is good as well. We want to read, but Gen Z. what evidently favors video short form content whereas we can oscillate between long form and we're okay with video and we're okay with text so there are there are some basic differences as well not to say that there's so many similarities as well so um i think you do have to as you go lower into the marketing funnel you you can have one big insight that resonates with a lot of people and so that's where you can categorize your gen z and millennials together but i think as you go into your consideration conversion advocacy all of the lower phases of the funnel that's where you start applying a bit of the nuances uh, that speak specifically to that those life moments or those life milestones that will most strongly resonate with them at that moment and at that time anything else that you want to add before we wrap our episode today is there anything that i didn't ask you or something that you're passionate about uh, future of social media anything else that you want to add in the last minute that we have together it's it's a lot of multiple topics like I don't know suddenly uh, investing in the stock market has suddenly become a, a, a really interesting topic for me right now so I'm watching a lot of podcasts uh, videos and then listening to a lot of podcasts like girls that invest and watching videos from some creators like Erica Kulberg so I think a lot of my personal life and my professional life are obviously yes. intertwined when you're doing something like influencer marketing and and you're really exposed to the real world but um though I'm I'm super excited thank you so much that you know we had this chat today I know it was um, a little overdue but I'm so happy to have been here And uh, I think we had some amazing conversations, and I just hope that they can be useful for people who listen I'm to them. I'm sure about that. Absolutely, Lubna, this was great. Thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. This uh, is the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory, and I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.